Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Handy Schlapped Podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Jordan Schrader. I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, and I hope it was a very blessed time for y'all and with your families or friends or whoever you enjoy spending this time with. Maybe you spent it alone, and I pray for God's anointing and comfort to be over you. Uh, I myself and plenty of other people have had some experiences where we were away from family during Christmas, and it's a very difficult time, and it's just very hard in so many ways, mentally, emotionally, the multiple layers of mental and emotional distress or loneliness, isolation, seclusion. It's all very challenging, but as we also observe throughout Scripture, there are many people who are caught up in isolation and seclusion, calling out to God for help, including the great King David or uh, Jesus Christ himself, where he had he and other people had moments of isolation. But sometimes it was necessary isolation. <clears throat> Back when I was in seminary, I remember reading a one of my textbooks. I don't know if you can even call it a textbook, uh, but uh, just one of our assigned readings. There were a lot of range. Some of it was very... Um, academic. Other times it was very um, practical in our readings, but the one that I remember very well is how isolation can be a time of our intimacy with God and uh, getting to know Him. And it's actually encouraged to be secluded with God. We have so many distractions, responsibilities, and things that take, can t- easily take us away from our designated time with the Lord, whether you have a designated time of the day for prayer, or you um, just have your devotion time, or just church time, or family devotion time, whatever. You need that time of seclusion with the Lord, as, we, as again, we also see that with Jesus, how he often had to go off alone or separate himself to uh, be with the Father and to recharge, so to speak. Or even when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was not completely alone. Some of his disciples were with him, keeping watch, even though they fell asleep. Um, He needed a little time, just a rock throws away to be with the Father in his soon-to-be time of earthly torment and persecution and, of course, crucifixion. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Today, we're going to jump back into our final session, actually, of Habakkuk. I preached on this at my church back in June of 2022, so about six months ago, actually, to be frank. And uh, I I like to take my sermons and bring them into podcast 
form and to uh, just kind of reiterate them, uh, talk about them a little bit differently than I did the first time. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to wrap it up with Habakkuk chapter 3. Uh, a week or two ago, we talked about Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, also called Habakkuk chapter 2, which is found near the end of the Old Testament. If you want to turn to those pages with me. <laughs> and uh, again, last time we were talking about how um, Habakkuk was voicing the concerns of God's people um, about how their own frustrations were kind of building up and Habakkuk is saying on on behalf of God's people saying God what are you going to do about this why do you allow the Israelites or or your people to be all chaotic and frantic in their sin and yet look at the greater sin of our enemies all around us Uh, like the uh, the Babylonians, for example, how can you use our enemies to correct us, to make us have a revelation of our own sin? How can you use greater sin to punish sin is one way of looking at it. And then now we're here in chapter 3, we got Habakkuk's prayer. He's now realizing what God is doing after listening to God's response from chapter 2 near the end. If you want to take a look at that and kind of review that, that'd be great. Uh, So right now we are going to read through chapter 3 just enjoy. Verses 1 through 19. Right. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigannath, which is a emotional poetic form, or, or a form of poetry, as cited on BibleGateway.com, and also my other studies. Anyway, Lord, I have heard the report about you and fear. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. And his splendor covers the heavens. And the earth is full of his praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays finishing from his hand. Uh, Excuse me. And there is the hiding of his power. Before him goes pestilence, and plague comes after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kushan under distress. The tent curtains of the land of Midian were trembling. Did the Lord rage against the rivers 
Or was your anger against the rivers? Or was your wrath against the sea? That you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made bare. The rods of chastisement, chastisement were sworn. You cleaned the earth with rivers. Sorry, you cleaved the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and quaked. The downpour of waters swept by. The deep uttered forth its voice. It lifted high its hands. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went away at the light of your arrows, at the radiance of your gleaming, gleaming, sorry, no, gleaming spear, forgive me. In nation, you marched through the earth. In anger, you trampled the nations. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You stuck the head of the house of evil. Excuse me, struck. To lay him open from thigh to neck, he pierced with his own spears. The head of his throngs, they stormed to scatter us. Their exaltation was like those who devoured the oppressed in secret. You trampled on the sea with your horses, on the surge of many waters. I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble, because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, a symbol of Israel, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like Hind's feet and makes me walk on my high places. Amen. So what we get here is a kind of acceptance, one could say, but it's also, in a way, it's a comforting piece of scripture. Habakkuk is hearing all that the Lord is saying to him and saying, I'm going to use the enemy to discipline my own people. In other words, it's not that God designates or appoints things to happen in our lives. That's another conversation for another day. But it's that he allows things to happen. He allows certain disciplines to occur when sin is getting out of control individually or collectively. We see these kind of this kind of poetry throughout this passage. This poetry of sin, prayer, justice, and righteousness. But we also see a cyclical phenomenon of pride repentance and righteousness 
how God's people go in a cycle of pride, wanting to be like the other nations, to have kings, to have their own rules and guidance systems. Yet they fall every single time from their own pride into dismantlement, brokenness. And then when they're in need, then they call upon the name of the Lord, which we all do. And yet, at the same time, through all of this, through all that God's people is doing in the book of Habakkuk, living through idolatry, worshiping other gods, going through deep sin that completely mock the, the name of God. This would be a great example of using the Lord's name in vain. It's not just about cursing or what comes out of your mouth or that, as we quickly think of what comes to mind. A great example of taking the Lord's name in vain is right here in this book where we say we are God's people. We use his, or we call ourselves his people by name. Today, this would be called nominal Christianity, where you are Christian by name. This has never changed. Only the labels have. And so even though God's people are seemingly far from redemption, far deep into their prideful sin, God still delivers his people. A second ago, we were talking about poetry, and I bring that up because poetry has a lot of parallels, a lot of cause and effect, a lot of before and after. Not even that, but how we see different parallels of God's inference and interference, sorry, with God's people. Look at Exodus, and we see the Exodus from Egypt how God delivered them out of slavery and bondage. We see the multiple victories throughout the book of Joshua and other examples where God delivered his people out of despair and out of, again, bondage and captivity and endangerment from the enemy, whether it was the Millicites, the Canaanites, the Habusites, whoever. And now here in Habakkuk, we're getting a message of, Lord God, we know we are far from your beloved grace. We know, Lord God, this is what Habakkuk is basically saying. In summary, to God, to God on behalf of the people, Lord God, we know we messed up, but we remember, Lord God, we remember you still. We did not forget you, just as you have never forgotten us. It may look like we have forgotten you, but Lord God, please deliver us again. You're the same God who brought the people 
out of slavery and bondage from Egypt and brought them over to your promised land here, Lord. You're still the God of redemption, the God that brought victory with Joshua, the God who helped Solomon, the God who helped redeem King David, the God who brought strength back to Samson after his fall into temptation and temporarily being stripped from his supernatural strength. And yet, at the same time, you did not ever leave him permanently. Just as we may lose and fall, we still will never lose or do not lose your presence. For you are always there when we need to come back into redemption and repentance. This is what Habakkuk is praying about. You see all the miracles in scripture up to today. Again, going back to the parallels, we see all the miracles in the Old Testament, just as Jesus during his ministry performed miracles. Another way of showing that Jesus is God incarnate, that Jesus is the same God from the Old Testament now made in the flesh. Many will try to say otherwise, but I abhor to you that Jesus is the same God who performed the miracles in the Old Testament. As we've seen the Gospels with Jesus healing the lame, bringing sight to the blind, and bringing the dead back to life. All pointing to the great resurrection of Jesus Christ and the oncoming, excuse me, the upcoming resurrection of all believers, where salvation will be brought to the unrighteous. That's only through Jesus Christ. As we see in Isaiah 35, verses 5 through 8. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water, and the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become when weeds, sorry, reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness, as in Jesus being the only way. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called, excuse me, the way of holiness, as we read that again. Moving on. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way, even if they are fools. They shall not go astray. Hallelujah to that. As Habakkuk cries out to deliver us, what is God's response? He says, I will already be delivering you. 
Soon you will go into captivity. You only can live in the moment of my plan. But I assure you, God is saying to us, the message of all scripture, the message of Jesus Christ, the message of salvation itself, that you're going to go through these trials and tribulations on the earth. Your enemies will attack you, and you will not always be victorious. You're going to be defeated. You're going to make choices that offend me. You're going to make choices that go against me. You will even go against me when asked who you align with. And yet, the Father still cares for his children. As we read here in verse 16, again, of the chapter, I, Habakkuk says, I heard, and my inward parts trembled at the sound of my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones, and in my place I tremble, because I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. In other words, there is still more to come, and yet Habakkuk understands now in this revelation through his prayer, through his discussion with the Lord himself. Sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. You may be forgiven, but we still on earth must endure, again, I say endure, the earthly repercussions of our sin. But that doesn't mean God has left us. In fact, as God is talking to Habakkuk and Habakkuk to God through prayer, there is more to come. A day of distress is coming. In other words, he's talking about the captivity of Babylon. You still have to go through this discipline and this trial. But God is still there. God will deliver you from it. Even if it's a disability or a broken family, every distress we go through, whether it's what we've been through, what we're going through now, or what will inevitably come in the future, whether it's something God allows or something we have to go through as repercussions of our earthly sin, God is still redeeming you and he is going to deliver you from this distress. But hang tight, my brothers and sisters. Whether it's through all sin and prayer, there still needs to be justice to bring us to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In every weakness, God shows his glory and strength. Use your trial or disability or brokenness or whatever it may be, your frustration. Use it to mirror the glory of God, to show that Christ is working. Remember, Christ still cares for you and he loves you dearly and he never 
leaves you even when you're in the darkest of days where God feels completely absent. We read here one of my favorite passages. It's actually the very end of the Bible. Revelation 22, verses 20 through 21. He who testifies to these things says, Jesus saying, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. I pray for you today that in any trial, God is with you. Never give up. Call upon him to deliver you. Acknowledge your sin, just as I must acknowledge my own sin each and every day. Hang on to the Lord. Pray for him to deliver you, for he is still with you. He is coming soon. There are more days of distress ahead of you, but with Christ, through these things that you're going through, it is Christ who gives you strength to get through these things, as we read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode 54 of Handy Schlapped. Uh, next, we will move on to something else, but it will be, of course, Christ-centered and godly-filled. I pray for you today as you finish up celebrating the birth of Christ with your friends and families, and that you continue to live in prayer as the end of the year approaches in just a few days, and that God will be with you through the next year as well. Through all trials and tribulations, through all hell that your family and you may battle externally or within yourself, God is always present, and he will deliver you from the oncoming distress. I pray for you right now, all in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Uh, Keep Christ number one in your life. Stay graceful. Be kind, of course, and as always, stay classy. Take care.